you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the Chris Voss Show.com. There you go. <laughs> you got to love it. Thanks for coming on the show, everyone. We certainly appreciate you guys having you. As always, the Chris Voss Show is a family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. You know, she never liked you anyway. She liked the other guy. And uh, But the best way to get on her good side is to refer the show to her, your family, friends, and relatives. Get your mother-in-law listening. It'll make her much happier and improve the quality of her life, and maybe she might like you better. Tell her to go to goodreads.com, Chris LinkedIn.com, Chris Foss, Chris Foss 1 on the TikTokity, and ChrisFossFacebook.com. We always, always have the most amazing authors on the show, bringing us their latest books and their writings and teachings and everything else and entertainment as well. Today we have William J. Carl on the show with us today. He's the author of Assassin's Manuscript that came out in August 22 of 2022. There you go. There's a lot of 22s there. There you go. He's he's going to be talking to us about his latest book and what's gone into it. He is a PhD and he was once a pastor, seminary president, professor, and U.S. Senate guest chaplain. There you go. He's also a Greek scholar, award-winning screenwriter, playwright, poet, and lyricist, and his recent publication of Assassin's Manuscript, he is now the author of a thriller. He earned his PhD from University of Pittsburgh in Rhetoric and Communication. In 2013, he was given Pitt's Golden Medallion Award as a distinguished alumnus and was named one of the 200 most influential leaders out of 300,000 living alums globally welcome to the show william how are you i'm great it's great to see you chris and great to be on your show it's great to have you as well give us your dot coms or any place on the internet you want people to find you on the web there sure i have a website called leconte publishing and that's named mm -hmm. after the iconic mountain here in the smokies of tennessee l-e-c-o-n-t-e and then mm -hmm. publishing.com it, it's an interesting site. It's not a r traditional publishing company. I have lots of mentors, writers, artists, lots of people can help those who are trying to do all those things. Mm -hmm. And that's the main one. I'm William Carl on LinkedIn and William Carl author on Instagram. And But, you know, that's that's pretty much it. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of what's inside your new book. It's a Dan Brown meets Daniel Silva thriller, basically. So you're combining Jack Ryan and the name of the Rose or your or Jason Board and excuse me, Jason Bourne and you know the uh, all the kinds of books that are Indiana Jones type stories. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I can tell you the background and the log line, but that's the kind of book it is. If you like mm -hmm. Dan Brown and you like Tom Clancy, you put those two together, and that's what Assassin's Manuscript is. There you go. We just we've had all I think all the Tom Clancy authors on the show except for Tom Clancy because uh, he's really hard to book these days. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm making jokes about a man's death, but uh, we just had Mark Greener on the show last week 
for his new book and and mark his first book he read was a tom clancy novel and and he ended up writing several of the tom clancy novels even after his death so yeah people love these books i mean they're they're hugely popular people love spy and you know all these stories and and thrillers etc cetera, etc cetera. in your book it doesn't seem to be a typical american arab terrorist spy story how does how does yours kind of different than a- most of the clancy and other kinds of books like his jason Bourne, mm-hmm. robert ludlam type books have the americans as the good guys and wherever the arabs or whoever else are the bad guys mm-hmm. and i wanted this to be more nuanced i wanted all my characters to be broken and flawed so that there aren't just good guys and bad guys we're all a, we're all a mix And I don't remember which writer said it, but I love this quote. There is good in every evil person and evil in every good one. Ah. And and so what we have is the Americans aren't all purely good and the others, the terrorists aren't all purely bad. So Yeah, that's what I told my mom when she wrote me out of the will. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's what we do here on the show, the jokes. Yeah. You you wrote this differently then in that format to give it that sort of special stand apart edge. Also, it's it's a beach read with literary depth uh-huh. in this in this sense that the main character Adam Hunter Adam in Hebrew means humankind, mm-hmm. and he's in search. He's he represents a violent humanity out of control in search of peace. The main female character, Rennie, R-E-N-I-E, which is short for Irene, and that's the word for peace in Greek, is the only one who can complete his mythic story. Uh-huh. But there's a problem in this because earlier, before the book started, he was doing his last hit in Upper West Side in New York, and it went bad. And by accident, he killed his own wife. He killed the terrorist's wife or girlfriend, and he killed the fiance of this woman named Rennie, down in mm-hmm. Tennessee. So he comes close to her and she begins to get interested in him not knowing that he killed her fiance by accident. Oh, so wow. it's a very unlikely romance. But the literary depth is there because this follows Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, you know, the behind the Star Wars movies where you have a major character who needs to leave ordinary world, go to extraordinary world, and he has to decide, and he meets with his mentor and in Yoda and those stories, and he has a shadow self, which is Darth Vader. I have all of that going on in oh. here, but I never say those things specifically. It's it's yeah. under underground there. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Now, you've written, I think, was it seven other books, I think? Eight, eight, eight other fiction books. books. Yeah, there you go. And, and and so, what were those in the same vein, 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 or venue of these? No, no, because I've been a seminary professor and more mm-hmm. clergy, those are in the more religious level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one was a set of lectures I gave at Princeton, and it's been translated mm-hmm. into Korean and reprinted and all that. But that's all fiction, and I can roll out of bed and write fiction. It's mm-hmm. easy for me. Non, excuse me, those are all nonfiction, I should say, and I can roll out of bed and write nonfiction. But fiction is really hard. It's so yeah. different. Yeah, it's, you have it's, to develop characters, and that's it. You know all the stuff, and yeah, I, 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 we have so many great authors like yourself that write thrillers, novels, and stuff, and and I really, I'm 
jealous of them because you know I, my books is nonfiction. it's boring as hell and it's made these <laughs> stories of my life and crap i couldn't you know, make up other than living it but you know when and it was very easy to write because it's like you know i lived it but you know where you guys can create whole worlds out of out of thin air and character development and plot lines and all that sort of stuff um from nothing i mean it's just it's just incredible that you guys have that talent and skill that you do it so in line of your other books that you've written previously what made you want to go this route with this book what what drew you to this writing the story and telling it okay it was alex haley the author of roots who was sitting in my office one day hmm. and i was going to have him speak at something we called the town hall forum and he said have you written anything? And I go, yeah. And he said, let me see one of your books. So I pulled that set of lectures off the uh, Princeton off the shelf and he started thumbing it. The author of Roots is thumbing my book. And he says, he looks up and he says, Bill, you need to write a novel. And I go, what? What makes you say something like that? He says, two things. One, you know how to write, you write really well, and you know how to tell a story. And that's, oh. that's how I got started. And mm -hmm. I said, what? what kind of novel should I write? He said, what do you like? I said, oh, Tom Clancy. He said, might like that. And I go, I don't know anything about that. He said, mix that with old manuscripts because you're a Greek scholar and do research on the espionage side and it'll all come together. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And 30 years later, Chris, and 12 revisions later, it finally is published, which is kind of amazing. It took so, that long. So it took you 12, what was it 12 years, did you say? No, 30 years. 30 years, right. 12 revisions. Wow. Because well. I say on interviews like this or meetings with book clubs that, you know, writing, great writing, great stories, novels, screenplays, poems are not written, they're rewritten. Mm. It, it's uh, that's why you need a great editor yeah, Stephen king in one of his books on writing says to write is human and to edit is divine yeah. and you got to have somebody who's going to help you be able to tighten the story which yep. have happened to me and preserve your voice as well or the voice you want to have in the story that's a good um, point about the yeah. voice i yeah. think that's excellent yeah, when I was when I was finishing my book in twenty twenty one, I needed an editor, and I had found one um, and that knew me really well, and so they could write in my voice or make sure that you know my voice stayed in the in the text. And I never really understood what a big deal it was. I'm just kind of I don't know whatever it's editing, and I had two friends that did editing, and they they were both women. And I'll, and I'll get to that point in a second. And they're like, hey, we, you know, we, we're professional editors. We'd like to, you know, do the editing. And I'm like, here's a page or two and show me what you got. And let's see what this whole editing thing is about, whatever. And right. they wrote it. In, and you could hear the, the voice change from masculine to feminine. That's why I made a point <laughs> that they were women. And you could hear them. I mean, it, it sounded like them. And there were my friends that were women. But it sounded yeah. in a woman's voice in their yeah. vernacular. And... And I was gone, like, and I never even understood how important it is that that the, the preservation of that voice is. I was eh, editing whatever they're they're putting the commas in the right place, and uh, you know. But I learned it's yeah. a it's a whole different game. And when I read what they wrote, and they they you know they're they're brilliant people. They wrote good stuff, but you know I was gone. My voice was gone. It didn't sound like my story at all. It sounded like their story, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I get that. So there you go. Now, are you going to wait another third? Is there any follow up to this book? You going to wait oh, another thirty years? To you know, a sequel two? to this would be really wild. 
But I want to make one other point about the editing. When mm-hmm. I first wrote it, it was 740 pages. So I carried this giant manuscript into a literary agent in Texas, and I dropped it on his desk. He said, you nearly broke my damn desk with that thing. Go back and take 200 pages out, and I'll look at it. Wow. Now, that was like killing your babies, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pages. Yeah. But a, a friend who's also an author said, learn how to write screenplays. And oh. then you can tighten the story. So I did. I took screenwriting and, and I even entered some screenwriting. I won the Telluride Indie Fest screenwriting contest with a romantic comedy, which is a totally different kind of story from this big swashbuckling espionage story. And that helped me tighten the story, the dialogue, the description. It, it, it flies now. It's very fast paced. Yeah. Um, and and another person who was an editor for me is Charles Cornwell, who taught English at Davidson College and is the former husband of Patricia Cornwell and her editor through all her books. Mm. He was my editor through all 12 revisions. And finally, after the 12th revision, he said, it's masterful. Get it out there. I couldn't have done it without Charles Cornwell. I know. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's interesting. Learn to do a screenwriting thing. We had somebody on the show recently who they wanted something to be, they they wanted to write the screenplay for something, and their wife went, no, you should write the book. So there you go. I guess guess you just have to find what works, really. They're totally different media, and Mm -hmm. I even turned the screenplay that I, where I won the screenwriting contest into a play that Mm -hmm. was done at a regional theater in Alabama. And it was a totally different kind of writing. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in screenwriting, you show in, in playwriting, you, you say, you, you, you have uh-huh. dialogue that carries yeah. it. And in musicals, which I'm trying to turn it into now, you sing. <laughs> oh, you're going to turn it into a musical, huh? I've got the idea of it. I've written some songs for it yeah. and such because it's a story that cries out to be sung because oh, the emotions are so deep in it. It's about a matchmaker who finds out she's dying of cancer and tries to match her husband with someone before she's gone. And I've known actual women like this who've said really? to their husband who are di- they're dying and they say to their husband, listen, if you marry that floozy down the street, I will rise up and haunt you. You know, <laughs> I know who you should marry. You know, that one might be good in bed, but this will be a better wife, yada, yada. So this woman is a matchmaker. <laughs> And she like, she's like Hyacinth Bouquet on Keeping Up Appearances, the British comedy, just driving the story. And she does match him with her hospice nurse, mm-hmm. not realizing that they were lovers in college. Oh. Well, the audience knows, but she doesn't know. Oh. And the moment they fall in love deeply, again, she finds out she's going to live. How do we unravel <laughs> this dilemma? It's called Maggie's Perfect Match. It's Maggie's Perfect Match. Anyway, but that's a totally different story from Assassin's Manuscript, which is a lot of, you know, one reviewer said, I look forward to a sequel to see any characters that Dr. Carl didn't kill off in the first book. There you go. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, The the main logline is former CIA assassin becomes a minister in the South, and then gets pulled back to his world of espionage and murder. Mm. And he has to crack a code in an ancient manuscript to prevent a terrorist plot and an international disaster. And it, I had to interview real hitmen to be able to write this story. Wow. 
and so that was an experience in itself just meeting three americans one israeli and one russian there you go i don't know if you want to hear the story of how i met them or not (laughs) please do you just set it up so now we got to follow through (laughs) okay i'm an extrovert and i walk Uh into a restaurant i don't know if you ever do this chris walk into a restaurant and i walk around to booths and tables and go is that good you know to the people who are eating and they look up and like i guess you know and my family backs away we don't know him but it's outcomes assessment i want to know about whether the food i don't want to just look at a menu so i start meeting people and i meet them easily and i want to learn about them do you so, always do that when you go in a restaurant not always okay. <laughs> every once in a while <laughs> when it's one where i don't know much about the food and okay. i just do the check-out. Yeah, they anyway, have a Yelp app you can download for that. Yeah, I know. That's right. I could you know, use Yelp. That's I'm just right. trying to help. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, that way people but, aren't like, what's going on? What? Who's this guy walking up to our table? You know what but, I do? I just walk into the back and I go up to the counter that has the food that's waiting to go out. And I just stick my finger in whatever and take a look of it maybe go back for seconds i use that usually do that with the desserts so chris you're a riot that is funny there you go so one of one american that i interviewed was a taxi driver in kentucky and he had picked me up at midnight and i said where are you from he said new york and you know a cup of coffee you know and uh, anyway i said when'd you come here after nam What'd you do in Nam? I was in the Phoenix Project. That's uh-huh. that's assassins. So yeah. I said, you got to pick anybody else up? No. And I said, if I cross your palm with a hundred dollar bill, can we have a drink and you can tell me stories? Heck yeah! And so we sat yeah. down and he started telling me what it was like killing people. Yeah. Another one is the son of a hitman who was a philosophy professor at a college, and he didn't know until his dad was on his deathbed that that's what he used to do wow and he was the regular little league dad in the neighborhood and and, and i mean these people are like <laughs> be your next next door neighbor you know and they're they're cold as ice another one is a librarian at a seminary wow i, mean, I knew librarians are killers you can always tell those guys are murderers <laughs> <Okay>. man <laughs> well this this guy i mean he said there are countries i can't even go to around the world wow and then and so I took notes. Another one was an Israeli running a tennis tournament. My older son was playing in, and he, he, I found out that he had been with Mossad in Israel. And I said, which unit? And he said, the Kidon unit, K-I-D-O-N, and that's Hitman. And I said, you need to tell me some stories. And he did. He opened up. Wow. These guys want to talk. It's amazing. Yeah. So he said, I had Arafat in my sights twice, but the order never came to take the Holy shot. crap. Yeah. yeah that's what that. I was thinking, too. And then a Russian, former Russian mafia chief, who's now a pastor up in the Ural Mountains, who's killed a lot of people, but mm-hmm. now he's a pastor. And I got him to tell stories. So now I had to. Pastor? Wow. Yes. Think about it. You better I mean, pay your tithing Bible, when that hat goes around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you better pay. Don't, don't cross right. the priest, man, in, in confessions. And, and people will ask me sometimes, you know, in book clubs and such, is this book autobiographical? You know? Yeah, there you go. Former assassin becomes a minister. And I smile and pause and I go, you know, all writing is autobiographical. There you and go. I really wonder. There you and go. I, yeah, so. I no, can see I, th- 
I didn't I can, kill anybody. There you go. I can see that pastor when people go in for confession. They're like, hey, Reverend, I um, I sinned. I stole a candy bar today. And he's like, is that all? I killed people, damn it. What the hell, man? Up your game, That's buddy. hilarious. I have never heard that analogy. You can see That's that whole scene on Chris. SNL. That's a yeah. great one. I did have three years of Taekwondo karate as an extracurricular course in seminary to handle rough parishioners. You know, I'm like ready, ready. <laughs> What's for going action. on in your church, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, we, churches over there. Yeah, no, we had a wonderful, wonderful congregation sure. in Dallas. But, but you know, anyway. every now and then, you know, one of those ladies gets a little out of hand. She gets a little <laughs> too up into the spirit <laughs> and starts dancing and speaking in tongues, and you got right. Throw right. holy water on her. The power of Christ compels you and stuff. There you, you go. Know, there you the go. The whole thing. That's right. That's so right. other questions I had on this. Um, how do you manage to keep the readers in suspense all the way through the end? Yeah. So I'm very bored when I read. I'm very <laughs> easily bored, right? And if you don't grab me, I can pick up a book at a bookstore. And if you don't grab me with the first line, I'm probably going to put the book back up uh -huh. on the shelf or in a library. Because I'm bored easily myself. I don't want to bore anybody else. So go. my goal is to grab people from the first line. I also mm -hmm. like James Patterson's very short chapters. So I've got short chapters mm -hmm. with hooks at the end of each chapter mm -hmm. and characters that are interesting. And then a plot that makes you, wow, I've got to see what happens next. And I will drop little hints along the, the pathway to say, you know, mm -hmm. look, look at this. You got to, you got to read more to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. That keeps so, it a page turner and it makes it a great uh, beach read, as you mentioned earlier, because you, you're like, I got to find out what happens next and that's you right. keep turning the page. That's right. As it were. So there you go. Let's see on your, did you actually travel to all the seven nations you depicted in the, in the novel? I did. Yeah. yeah. James Michener is one of my models. He always does lots of research, or maybe he has a lot of graduate students who do a bunch of it for him. I don't know. I don't have all that now in retirement. But he he always went to places and would describe them in detail. Now, I think he describes them in way too much detail because you just skip over, well, I want to get back to the story or the dialogue. Mm -hmm. So that's where I had to tighten because I did travel to all these countries and all these places. The only place in the novel I didn't get to was the papal apartment where the mm. Pope is. And I knew two people who knew the Pope very well, so they described it to me. But everything else in the novel, in all these places, yeah. Moscow, London, Jerusalem, the Sinai Peninsula, St. Catherine's Monastery, I mean, everything. I went to all those places. There you go. And so, yeah, you, I mean, I don't know what to put. I don't know how many Pope jokes for that room. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he was killing people. And I don't know. No. Now I'm going to, I'm not going to get that killer preacher out of my head. Now I can see him in the, I can see in the confession booth. People like I stole some candy and he's like, is that all? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in the, it's in the Bible itself. If you think about it, the apostle Paul was murdering people before he got converted and, so yeah. it's right in the scripture itself, you know. Yeah, um, good for Paul. Was he the guy that, that got the head cut off? I don't know. No, I don't think he got beheaded. But there was somebody who got beheaded, yeah. and they had the head run around because, I don't know, that's what they were into back then. <laughs> yes. that's, what, that's what we do around Fridays around here, so there you go. Um, your book looks at a conflict, fictional look at the conflict in the Middle East. It was published before the Israeli-Hamas war. 
Yeah. Do recent current effects impact your views in the future of that volatile region? Well, I I would say that I well, my answer to this is I'm not a political commentator. <clears throat> I'm an author, yeah. and I don't want to step into a, a landmine of what side is right and what side's wrong. I do have a, a, a vision, a bit of a vision about peace at the end of this novel, but you'll have to read it to see how it plays out and how it compares to what's actually going on. There's a bit of life imitating art, art Im imitating life going on for sure mm -hmm. uh, in this kind of book. And the first part of it is the fact that this book starts with the robbery of a famous artifact from the British Museum in London. And mm -hmm. if you've been watching the news last August, there were articles in The Economist, The Guardian, Wall Street Journal of artifacts being stolen from the British Museum. And yeah. so here it is. It starts with this. Uh, the very beginning of the book is the robbery of a famous old codex from that's a real live codex that was discovered by St. Constantine von Tischendorf. Constantine von Tischendorf was a real Indiana Jones guy in German, Germany. And so there's a lot of life imitating art in different ways, but I really stay away from making comments about mm. the Israeli Hamas situation, other than to say the word Hamas in Arabic actually means violence. That's the meaning of really? the word. Yeah, Didn't Hamas. Learned something today. And the other interesting thing is the word assassin comes from the word hashish in Arabic. The Hashishim were those assassins a thousand years ago mm -hmm. in the castle of Alamut who were paid by this old guy to go out and kill crusaders. And mm -hmm. then he would give them Hashish, you know, and he'd have some women for him, them and all that. I was on a show the other day and the, and the interviewer says, what? Wait a minute. You mean assassins are the original stoners i'd never even thought yeah, about that. <laughs> I, I never even thought about that but that's the root for the word assassin there you go um get stoned and kill people it's fridays around here so there you go but uh, yeah people love this intrigue and and everything else i like how you traveled all the places i, I we have a lot of great authors like yourself on the show and they, they always tell me that you know they pick places to write about that they would like to go vacation at and so then they then they can tell the publishers uh, hey i need to go to france so that i can you know R right. do some study some right. on the ground research um <laughs> So this is basically your first novel. Is it hard transitioning from a nonfiction to fiction? It is. As I said earlier, nonfiction is easy for me. Me, even though I'm trying to write so I get your attention and keep you all mm -hmm. the way to the end. But it, this is really about characters. Uh -huh. And what's fascinating, Chris, is that the more I wrote, the more I realized I was beginning to get to know the characters. I don't know if you've had other authors say this on your shows, but... I felt like I could actually hear them talking to me. Yeah. You know, it sounds like I'm hearing voices and such, but yeah. but no, they would say, no, that's not how I would say this. Or really? they would say, yeah, or they would say, no, that's not what I would do in this situation. I would just be like, then you write it. <laughs> oh, why am I doing all the work here? That's right. And But they really helped me. And one of the main characters, there's a an old mafia don from Sicily named Vincenzo Mazzini who wants papal absolution and knows he won't get it from the present Pope. So he's going to try to get the present Pope knocked off. And he 
literally, as I was ending the writing of the novel, I could just almost see this guy rise up and said, don't you understand that so-and-so was my, and I, I don't want to give away what he was, but it's like a, it, it opened a story up for me in an amazing way. So you really got to know how to write characters and you've yeah. got to write characters that people will care about. Yeah. And one of the things I learned about in screenwriting is that every character needs to want something. You know, mm -hmm. it, there's a want. Yeah. The, the original Rocky movie is Sylvester Stallone wants to go the distance. He doesn't want to win the fight, you know, get the title. He wants to go the distance. And if you watch, that's what happens in the movie. He loses at the end, but he goes the distance. Mm -hmm. What the author does is set up obstacles for each character getting what that character wants. And there you go. It takes time. It takes a lot of time to figure it all out. There you go. So anything on the horizon for a second book then? I have a couple of wild stories. <laughs> this one's wild enough related to this mm -hmm. uh, and, and Adam, it, it, it could be like a sequel, but um, it would start with the robbery of a radar buster plane on Whidbey Island up near Seattle. Mm -hmm. And this is a powerful plane that can knock out all the communications in the Eastern seaboard. Oh, and wow. I would have a terrorist steal that plane and get things no, started that way. That would be bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a little sounds, crazy. Yeah. Do you, do you think you carry over the characters? Maybe, you know, like we were talking about Tom Clancy and a few of the other um, writers in that genre. They usually have like character threads where, you know, there's like Jack Ryan. Yeah, Jack Ryan, right. I've had a lot of people say, wait a minute, I didn't want this to stop. I want to hear more yeah, what's going to happen to Adam and mm -hmm. Rennie and the the key, the key characters. And so I, I think it would be easy to carry them over. I just got to get the right platform for it there you, uh, go. you know writing I, I i was speaking at an event recently and i titled my talk word slingers and story weavers we writers are the muses of the world whispering in society's ears better ways to think and better ways to live and it, it is a challenge to create a story as you said earlier chris mm -hmm. that's a big challenge to figure out a plot that is out of nothing, you know, yeah. and then it makes sense. And then it, it keeps people's attention all the way to the end. That's what a lot of reviewers say. And this book's on sale now in 42 countries and just popped up in the Harvard bookstore of all places the other day. There you go. You know, nice. it's, on, it's on sale in the Maryville College bookstore down here in Tennessee and the Harvard bookstore. Now there's a combination. So <laughs> there you go. So you're doing well with it and kicking butt. And it sounds like you know, it sounds like there's going to be some demand to, you know, well, get, get more stuff. I mean, that's the people love these books and they love the characters. Well, the other thing I think about is learning myself how I know how to write screenplays, but how to write a Netflix series, because uh -huh. this cries out a lot of people going, we see it on screen already as we yeah. read it. And it cries out to be a series, not a single movie. You know, our actor son in New York, who was in a George Clooney movie, The Tinder Bar with Ben Affleck, and he was in the final season last summer of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. On, mm -hmm. His name's David Carl. He did the narration of this novel, Assassin's mm -hmm. Manuscript, for Audible. And mm -hmm. it's already selling really well because he is an expert in international accents, and he also brings his acting training. And 
when you listen to David read this book, it it's almost like you're hearing a movie, you know. Wow. It, it, yeah. And he studied at University of Evansville, and Rami Malek was one of his buddies, you know, who at Evansville, who won the Oscar and all that. And there you and go. David's making it in New well, York. Hopefully, we'll have you back to with your second book to to you know create the thing, or or you know if you write a whole different thing. A lot of authors we have on the show that write a lot of these types of books. They sometimes have different character veins. Right. You know, like they have Bob, Bob's doing this one. They do like 10 or 15 books and Joe, their other characters over here doing 15 books. Yeah. They Sometimes they'll do one book and then hop to the other. And so hopefully you're on a great course with your uh, book and all that good stuff. Any final thoughts or pitch as we go out give people your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah. LeConte and the book's Assassin's Manuscript. And it was a lot of fun writing it. And I think a lot of people are having a lot of fun reading it. And I look forward to to hearing more about what people think about it. There you go. Thank you very much for coming on the show, William. We really appreciate it. It's great to be with you and I hope you have a good evening. Thank you. You too. And thanks for us for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss One on the TikTokity and all those places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.